Welcome to Reading to Kids podcast. I'm your host, Jenna. And I'm your host, Peyton. And we're here to read to you or with you. We know that sometimes moms and dads don't always have the time or the motivation to read to their kids each night, and we know how important it is. So, on those nights that you're not in the mood, we're going to do it for you. Can't wait to read with you. Good job, Peyton. High five. Hocus pocus, smokus, smokus, bocus. Oh, sorry, you were going to sing. Go. No, no, I'm starting over. Starting over. Go. Dang it. I didn't know. I, now, I feel, now I feel like a meanie. Okay, we have a request from somebody named Lillian, and she wants us to read the Heidi Heckelbeck. I think it's like middle school disasters. It's when she's a teenager. I think there's two and there's actually, there is about to be a third one coming out, I think next year. And she wanted us to read Henry Heckelbeck. And there's, she said she thinks there's 13 books on that. And absolutely, that'll be something cool to read in November after spooky season. Um, I think that would be great. What about you, Pei? Mm-hmm. Yeah, cool. Let's do it. It's a yes. Uh, Henry Heckelbeck. Well, maybe we'll read the Heidi Heckelbeck teenager ones. And I went to go purchase them, but they're so expensive. So expensive. And they're only hardback. So I was like, but what about the little people? I know. Okay. All right. Lillian, we're on it. We're on it. Okay. Chapter 12. Sarah rolled onto her back and stared at the high ceiling of the house she'd been born in. Firelights flickered over the sturdy roof beams, highlighting swaths of, of cobwebs and colonies of spiders. She went through a mental checklist of the roots of her hair to the nails of her, to- to the nails of her toes, but her hip hurt a little. But then again, she had fallen off of her to hurry of, to avoid, being, avoid the burning glint of sunrise. Everything else felt fine. I'm alive, she said, smiling. Damn that boy, said Winifred, who'd collapsed first and now lay beneath the boy, both Sarah and Mary. He's tricked us again. She got clumsy to her feet. Her face was red as her hair. You're right, said Mary, shifting uncomfortably beneath Sarah's, Sarah's weight. You're always right. I don't know how you do that. It's my curse, said Winifred to Mary. That's that and you two. Get off me, you thundering oafs. Sarah sprang up off of their skirts and pulled up her lucky rat tail from her sleeve, chewing it as always as it always made her feel better, especially when Winifred was out of the sorts. Mary and Winifred scrambled up the up after her. Look, said Winifred. She crossed to the kitchen where the black flame candle waited on a cluttered counter. Its mysterious flame diminished to a weak a weak flicker. The scene of the outside of the candle had been all but melted away, and the taper was reduced to a runny stub. (sighs) The candle's almost out, she said, and then gained the courage to turn turn and examine the fallen cauldron and the puddle boards. And my potion, my beautiful potion, she knelt down by the cauldron, not caring that the cooling liquid soaked into her clothes. Look, she said. She knelt down even lower and peered into the depths of the pot. There's just enough for one child. The room seemed to grow very quiet. In the movie, they have like a tub of it. I mean, a tub, a tube of it. But 
I thought that the children only needed one drop. Yeah. So maybe there's only one drop? I don't know. They were biting their lips and staring at each other, each wordlessly threatening a mortal harm if, if the other had made a sound. Winifred turned to Mary. Get the veil, she said. Sarah took her glass bottle, whose base was wide and round, and whose neck was long and thin. Carefully, Winifred carefully Winifred ladled the last of the potion into the bottle, and she pressed the cork back into its mouth and clutched the treasure to her chest. What luck, she said, smiling. She turned to the door through which <laughs> Max and Danny had escaped in only minutes before. Her voice grew sharp. This is perfect for that little twert, t- toe-headed brat. We have a child, said Sarah. Gest- we have a child, Sarah said, gesturing to the two hanging in the cages. Jay and Ernie each pointed at the other, shouting, Him! Mary, for her part, leaned against the front of the window and watched the yard dream with dreamy interest. And look, Winnie, more children are arriving. She beckoned at the sleepwalkers. Come on in, she cooed. Winnie, Sarah said, touching her sister's forearm. We'll make more potion because we have the book. She pointed to the spell book, which still lie open on the pedestal. We haven't the time, said Win- Winifred. Besides, I want to get that little rat-faced kid that called me. Oh, Mary said, rushing over. Don't say it. Ugly, Sarah said. Winifred and Mary both cringed. She really hurt my feelings, whimpered Winifred. She doesn't even know me. She took Sarah's outstretched hand and dried her eyes on it. I know. You know, she said, composing herself, I always wanted a child, and now that I now I think I'll have one. On toast. Danny sat back in the driver's seat of her parents. Oh, and the Babs like driver's seat? That's not great. In the back seat of her parents' car, clutching Binks in her laps on her lap. Max was driving, which made her even more scared because his last practice session had ended in a long argument with their dad about const- constituted constituted what oh constituted i was like constituted what constituted a rolling stop hello ding dong there are too many kids said max carrying another uh, careening around another group of transfixed children he recognized a few of them from danny's class and felt a pang of worry he leaned out of his window go home he shouted but of course they didn't listen to him They didn't even seem to hear him. Max groaned and pounded the steering wheel. We need to wait and we need to wait in the cemetery until sunrise, he said, but those zombie kids are gonna trap us on the road. Try the roadside, Allison pointed off to the left, back to the woods. I'll reconnect it'll reconnect to the main road in town, and you can circle around the front of the cemetery. Max nodded. He knew it was a risk since it would take longer, but he also knew that it would put them closer to clearing to the clearing Binks had showed them before. From there, it would be easier to see the witches coming and to go back onto the se- into the sewers if needed. Um, before the, any other kids blocked the way, Max veered, into the, veered to the left, as Allison sh- suggested, and headed up deeper into the trees he clenched his sweaty fists around tighter around the steering wheel as visions of careening off of the roads swarmed through his head the engine growled as he goaded the ex as he goaded the accelerator 
the sprinklers in the kiln, the fake sunrise. How many times could they trick the witches before they could, their tricks wouldn't work any longer? Max realized that their time was running out, but so was the Sanderson sisters. If, all Allison, if Allison was right, they just had to keep them at bay until sunrise. If Allison was right, he glanced at her. Are they following us, he asked. Allison turned around. No, she said. Good, smiled Max. Just then, Winifred Sanderson appeared at the driver's side window, and her body angled forward against the handle of her broom. Max swerved away, but kept going. Allison reached over the steering wheel and, and helped to help ease them back towards the middle of the road before they skidded off of it. Pull over, Winifred demanded. Let me see your driver's license. Max considered sticking his arm out the window to push her away, but that seemed like a terrible idea on several fronts. Instead, he gripped the wheel even tighter and banked the car to the left, knocking her and her broom out of the way. He grinned again, but this time he wiped his palms, one on the other and one on his jeans. Oh, one and then the other on his jeans. Um, we're going to be okay, Allison told him. He nodded tightly and pressed on, taking a sharp turn onto the street that held the graveyard entrance facing downtown Salem. He slammed on the brakes in the middle of the street and hopped out, not bothering to take the keys with him. Allison had helped Danny and Binks out of the back seat before grabbing the duffel bag on, from the floor. The group hurried through the gate, breathing more easily once they were safe and ho on hollowed ground. That is, until Max slammed into Billy Butcherson. Danny shrieked, and Allison hurried back to help him, but Max shouted at them to go. Then he pulled out his dad's pocket knife. The girls were gone when Winifred arrived a second later, still clutching her broom. She floated near the top of the gate and shouted down at Billy, who was fighting Max for the knife. Catch the children, she said. Max winced at Billy, overpowering him, forcing the knife closer to Max's throat. Then Billy surprised him by levering Max's hand higher above his head. Billy sliced through the threads that sewn his mouth shut. He released Max and then gave a dry, guttural cough. Small brown moths flew out from his lips and fluttered away. Ew. Come now, Winifred ordered. Kill him, do it. Wench, Billy snapped at Winifred. Trollop. Max found this a bit rich since Billy had been the one running around with his girlfriend's younger sister. You bucktooth, mop-riding firefly from hell. Winifred let out a scandalized screech. I've waited centuries to say that to you. Say what you want, Max said, shrinking away. Just don't breathe on me. Billy and Winifred, Billy, Winifred said, I killed you once. I shall kill you again, you maggoty malfessant. Billy grabbed Max around the waist and tugged, and tugged, pulling both of them into the woods. Hang on to your, uh, hang on to your heads, Winifred called after them. He taunted, he, her taunt followed them, but she didn't bother flying over the graveyard, which Max worried, or which worried Max. The witches had to be plotting something. It didn't take long for Max and Billy to find Allison and Danny in the clearing that host housed Billy's open grave, which meant Max feared that it would not take long for the witches to find them either. Danny and Allison scrambled up, each holding a sturdy branch. Max, run! Danny shouted. Move out of the way, Allison said, charging. Allison said, charging. Max threw himself between her and Billy. Wait, he said. No, no, no. He's a good zombie. Allison gave the dead man a searching look. You're sure? He asked Max. How do you know he's not just saying that because you've been bitten? 
Because although I know you're not just saying that because you've been bitten. Max gave her a look and Allison said, Okay, fine. Good point though, huh? Yeah, gotcha. <laughs> Billy followed the pair down the hill towards Danny, both Danny and his own open grave. Hi, Billy, Danny said, waving. Max looked at her face. Her fear was gone, and she seemed to think of befriending the zombie. But befriending a zombie was totally reasonable. She was so adaptable because she was still a kid, maybe? He couldn't remember ever being like that. Maybe she really did have a thing or two to teach him. He hoped that they'd all survive the night so she could. Billy helped Danny into his grave. You'll be safe in here, he said. Max dug through their duffel bag of supplies. He handed Allison a fresh carton of salt and pulled out the baseball bat for himself. You okay, Danny, he asked his sister. Yeah, she said in a small voice. voice. I'm fine. Adaptable or not, she was still his sister, and they both knew that she was in danger. <sighs> he adjusted the grip on the bat and practiced his swing a few times. Allison opened the salt container and drew a circle around the grave. Here they come, said Binks, who was still perched on the headstone. Billy, guard Danny, Max, Allison, spread out. Oh, that's Binks saying that. They'd just taken their places when Winifred descended from the dark sky. Her dress and her robes fluttered around her, caught by the light autumn wind. For the last time, she said, prepare to meet thy doom. She swooped down low, heading for Danny. Max took a swing at her with a baseball bat. Winifred veered to the side, cackling, and then course corrected. This time, she bore down on Max, you little pest, she said. I've had enough of you. He swung her bat at her again, but Winifred grabbed the bat from his hands and flung it away, chortling. Max Max made to run then, but Winifred was steep was steep ahead. She ordered a palm and a branch of electricity rippled out of her skin and made contact with the nearest tree. Right at the joint between its trunk and the heaviest branch, Danny screamed as the branch toppled down, blocking Max's path and separating him from his friends. Billy, who stood between Danny and the witch, glowered at Winifred. Go to hell, he said. The Elderson Sanderson, the eldest Sanderson smiled tightly. Oh, I've been there before, thank you. I found it quite lovely, she said. <laughs> so weird. Oh, I've already been there. So In the movie, she's like, oh, been there. Found it quite lovely. Uh, yeah. We gotta, we're going to watch the movie after this because, I mean, not tonight because it's late, but yeah. I say we watch it this weekend. In true spooky fashion.